All right. This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. And this is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> it feels like it's been a while. I mean, we missed a week, and I don't think we've missed a week, you know, ever. So <laughs> it's great to be back, and we have a wonderful guest, Michael Greeley. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? An old friend. That's right, an old friend and another old East Ender. And uh, she, um, I think one of the best roles she's ever had, she was nominated uh, for TBA for Best Actress for um, Maria Callas. And that was a couple of years ago, right? It was a few years ago, I think. Masterclass. Masterclass, that's right. Seven years ago, I can't remember. I always have to go back and uh, do the math on the right. calendar. I can't yeah. remember. No, and, and, you know, you've done many, many other great, great roles. Um, of course, d- we had David Stein on, I think, two weeks ago, and he mm-hmm. mentioned you. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, we got to get you on. So, okay. finally. Well, uh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Norman, how's your week? My birthday! <laughs> <laughs> Thursday, Thursday was my birthday. Right on. Right. I've been bugging especially the Facebook community, for a while, I've come up with this thing I call the birthday season. A birthday season is starts the number of days out from whatever you're going to turn this year. So oh. uh, mine started 58 days out. And, and when I first came up with it, I tried doing a lot of stuff. And that's just too much stuff. It's too much time. But it gives me time to sort of prepare myself, and it gives me a chance to kind of give a heads up to friends. This is... My birthday is coming up, so if you really want to make me feel special, make some time. I'm giving you lots of warnings. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah. I'm way too modest with stuff like that, but, you know, why not? You know, if, if you've got friends, use your friends. You know, have them yeah. celebrate you. So we did, um, I've been doing a ba- annual bike ride. We did our fifth ride. Mm-hmm. Um, we go across the Bay Bridge, and when we started, the path didn't go all the way th- to the mm-hmm. island. Now it does. Yeah. You know, if I didn't have rehearsals, I would have joined you guys. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And then yesterday I went to see um, the Pacific Film Archives, mm-hmm. which is now the Berkeley Art Museum Pacific Film Archives. They, they share a space. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to see um, I'm Not Your Negro. I am not your Negro. Oh, the uh, documentary. The documentary. We can finally talk about it. Because yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I'd look, I would love to talk more about it. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, we're not going to hog the time, but, but my, my biggest take on it was it talked a lot about American history, black history, and, of course, the civil rights movement, but very little about Baldwin himself. I mean, we saw right. Baldwin, and Baldwin talked about other things. Right. But I really wanted Baldwin to talk about him and what it is being a gay man, especially. But, but in he didn't. He didn't talk didn't much he, about exactly. It. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, and in that sense, I felt like the film tried to stay true to him. But mm-hmm. then there were other things. You know, they wanted to make all kinds of contemporary references. Right. They kept on referencing what's happening today, and it was nice to feel like that. That felt like an appropriate comparison. It didn't feel like Baldwin because it's after way after he's dead. Sure. So right. And that's the thing. I mean, anyone could talk about, you know, comparing what happened in the past to today. And, of course, Mm -hmm. they keep on using the clips of Baldwin in in these, um, not like he's on the Mike Douglas show, he's on these other shows. Right. But anyone could have done that. I would have wanted to really, and, of course, you know I'm working on Foreman in Paris. Right. So I wanted some references, and I'm like, I can't really use a lot of this because it doesn't talk about him. Yeah, no, well, worse, it. Right, it draws on a piece that never was published, a piece that he never finished. It's the notes that he had for something he was working on. Mm-hmm. 
So it's wonderfully his voice, and yeah. it's wonderfully his observations. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, people forget Baldwin. There was a certain intelligentsia that appreciated Baldwin. Yeah. Most of America found it a little dense mm-hmm. and a little obtuse. Sure. And um, he was subtle. He was wonderfully subtle. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is the film kind of takes away some of that subtlety and kind of hits you with it. Yeah. Um, so if it's more resonant now, it's only because you're finding the right pieces to show. I, I think if you stay true to Baldwin, there's a way where he stays a mm-hmm. bit obscure. He stays a little subtle. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but... It's, it's still a good, I think if I'm a rural millennial, and let's say I didn't know the history, right. it's a fantastic film. It's one thing you got to check out. Do you watch documentaries at all? I do. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. I Matter of fact, you and I were talking before, Mike, about uh, Ken Burns and, uh, was it the 60s Vietnam? The Vietnam War. Yeah. Oh, did you like? I, I did. Okay. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it, it starts before I was aware of the world. I was young, but um, but I lived in Thailand. Oh, During the uh-huh. 70s, the early 70s. Uh-huh. And so, you know, some of that I could relate to in terms of just mm-hmm. knowing what was going on. Seeing, actually, kind of for the first time what was going on, even yeah. though I was right there. Because I was right. just a teenager. I was right. in high school and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really pay that much attention to world affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Wow, I, a I, teenager in Thailand. We have to dig deep into that. How that yeah. <laughs> Well, there are a lot of uh, world events that uh, have gone on, and since we've been off for uh, two weeks, I mean, we have the. Have you heard about the NFL? The NFL uh, is thinking about forcing, enforcing players to stand. They're trying to, but yeah, the, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. That, if that ever went into the courts, that should be done. That's right. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, and the I think the player association actually no, the National Labor Relations Board they right. filed a lawsuit. Yeah against the NFL to make sure they don't enforce that. Right. There's that um, morning uh, AOL. AOL is no longer around. Uh, that's – have you heard about this? No, AOL Instant, AOL Instant Messenger is, oh. is – will cease to exist. Oh. Of course, I have, I have melancholic – I have not nostalgic moments because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm doing instant messaging. Right. Uh, so, so that's out. Um, I mean, I didn't even know AOL was still around. So, Well, right, exa- and that's probably one of the reasons why. <laughs> and my email address still is AOL. Oh. Sorry to say, it's been that way since there was a dial-up. So right. Right. A, I, I hesitate to, mm-hmm. to transition because everyone has that old email address. Right, yeah. So. And, of course, there's, there's plenty of news on uh, Harvey Weinstein. There was also news. I don't know if you know a guy named Roy Price. He runs Amazon Studios, or at least Uh-oh. he was, oh. before he was put on leave of absence because he made lewd comments to the producer, female producer, of The Man in the High Castle, oh. which is a uh, it's a show that's running on Amazon mm-hmm. about, uh, like, if Nazi Germany had won. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, that Ooh. one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he made some lewd comments to the woman. And it's at a day and age now where you can't operate like Hugh Hefner. Right. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, we've seen it with Cosby, although Cosby may have been exonerated. Uh, he was found not guilty. But still, mm-hmm. his, his reputation is completely ruined. Right. And now we see Harvey Weinstein. And how old is this uh, Amazon guy? Uh, I don't know, but I think he's like in his mid-50s. So, so yeah. Is it a generational thing? I don't know. Yeah, sure there's, there's plenty of young folks yeah. that Keep are doing it. on the wrong side of yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we hear about tech guys like right. um, Tim Kalanick of uh, Uber. Well, he was of Uber before he got phased yeah. out. Right. Having this sort of frat boy party mentality mm-hmm. 
in running a company, and th- which of course uh, misogynizes women and treats minorities like crap or whatever, because this is our company. We're so excited, and right. you don't think about things like you know um, treating people uh, equally. It seems similar to the um, the sort of best and the brightest moment that you know that Kennedy era. Mm-hmm. These guys coming in, IBM. We're going to solve all the world's problems. We're young and we're eager and we're so smart. Yeah. Um, And if you don't deal with the past, if you don't have some sense of history Mm -hmm. and some humility. Right. You sort of roll over things and then you turn around and and you come up with the same statement that keeps coming up. Who knew this could be so hard? (laughs) Well, anybody who bothered to have a conversation with anybody else besides your little group of friends. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, you could do that because – who, number one, there was a prevalence of fear. Oh, we can't talk against, you know, Weinstein. I'm trying right. to get a job. Right. And I'm sure many women were like, hey, I, wanna, I want to, um, you know, get cast. Right. Well, and, and they, yeah. also many men mm-hmm. knew what was going on. And for the same reasons, they kept their mouths shut. Well, it's kind of like those people who stand on stage with you-know-who smiling, sort of a fake smile, like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I'm standing here, and I have to look like I'm enjoying it, but this person is saying really idiotic things. Yeah. You yeah. Can, we all Getting know paid. who I'm talking Getting about. Paid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm on the inside, I'm on the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you dealt, Michaela, with sleazy, you know, individuals? <laughs> um, in, in my whole life? Well, we were talking earlier, I've not really had that, uh, fortunately. Yeah. Um, the only th- I was thinking about that because when you had asked me to do this, I you mentioned that we might be talking about this Weinstein thing, and I was thinking ab- about my experience. And uh, I mean, I started later in acting anyway, but I do remember one time wearing a black tank top to an audition. Oh, and so I got up and did my piece, and then I went out. They said, "Okay, we'll call you back in," and then they didn't call me back in, and I finally kind of popped my head in and said. Am I going to get, are you going to have me read anything else or do mm-hmm. something else? And I'm like, oh, who are you? Oh, the black tank top. Hmm. That was a, about as disgusting as, and it was It was a little disappointing. Like, oh, that's that's what you remember, the black mm. tank, tank top. So, but nobody laid their hands on me or anything like that. So I guess mm-hmm. I, I lucked out. Yeah. And maybe the culture is a little different with theater rather than film. Oh, no. There's plenty of of casting couch in theater. Mm. There's plenty of it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It is. Yeah. One of the the many things that I'm (laughs) – we were talking about casting before we got on mic. And, you know, they're just these things that you run into that have nothing to do with who you are or your talent. And yet they're major factors in what's going to happen. And it's like, wow, I wish – there was some way I knew about navigating this before mm-hmm. I got here. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find, Michael, that let's say you're cast because of your looks and not necessarily because of the actual talent that you have? Um, not really? I, I don't. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, I have no idea. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure that it, it, it comes into play. I mean, there's a... I think a director, we were talking about how a director has a whole vision of, and they hear the music and they right. see the lights, and right. which is why I'm not sure I could be a director myself because I'm, I'm looking at the tree that I'm climbing cause as, mm-hmm. as the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like I've had the opposite happen where, say, they're casting a grandmother. Now, I am a grandmother. Mm-hmm. I have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 6-year-old grandchild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And when I've come in for the grandmother roles, mm-hmm. I don't get cast. Right. Because I think they think that I should be sewing a quilt. And so there's, I or, think there's or a... Or a cane. <laughs> yeah, or just kind of comfy. Like maybe you could... St- I'm got a spatula with a tray of cookies mm-hmm. in front of me no. at all times. <laughs> right. right. Um, which, is, which is not not really you at all. I'm sure you can... Yeah. yeah. Or even the mother of yeah. an older actor, mm-hmm. that character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've... I, I, then I've seen who they cast, and it is somebody who looks old. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, I think I look old enough, mm-hmm. but... Um, well, there are different definitions of old. I, yeah. I run into this all the time. Yeah. People say, you don't look your age. And I'm like, well, then you need to get your glasses fixed. <laughs> this is how this looks. Yeah. yeah. If you have some other image in your eye, in your mind, I'm sorry about those people. I'm sorry the way they, they look the way they look. This is how this looks. Yeah. yeah. And same here. Well, so. what's interesting is, I mean, I think about... Like my dad when he was 40, and I may have been, I don't know, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And you think, like, a 40-year-old, let's say back in the 60s, looked really, I mean, you know. Mature. Yeah, mature. Mature, that's a good way. (laughs) And, you know. It like a grown-up. Right. It like a grown-up. Right. And, I mean, I see some 40-year-olds today who still, you know, like have a T-shirt and, you know, they're Mm -hmm. still trying to be hip and, you know, I don't know, still play video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how, let's say, a particular age differs in age. It differs in in particular time eras or whatever. And I'm sure casting directors are like, well, you know, my mind is in, I don't know, the 50s or something like that, and I'm looking for. But I I do think that's one of the problems you've nailed. Um, if the casting director is paying attention to the material yeah. and trying to figure out what a grandmother looks like based on this material, that's different than just thinking, what does a grandmother look like? Mm. Because right. you're right. A grandmother doesn't look the way a grandmother looked in the 50s mm-hmm. is not the way a grandmother looks now is not the way a grandmother looked in the 1800s. Right. Yeah. You know, it's these are. And if they pay attention to that, then mm-hmm. they're going to cast differently. Right. That's exactly right. But it's, you know, the other strange thing in this is, I don't know about you guys, but I, it's not just theater, it's movies, it's, it's out in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to the bank, and the bank teller looks like they're fresh out of college, I and I get them talking, and I realize, no, they're, they may be a parent. They may be a parent of mm-hmm. teens. They may have been doing this for over a decade, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can factor that in, but in my brain, you look young. You look like you're a teenager. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think we all have that sort of filter yeah. Yeah. where we see the world, and I think casting directors are as subject to it uh, as the rest of us. Right. There are some amazing people who are able to turn that off or to retune it, recalibrate mm-hmm. it yeah. for the show, the needs of the show. Yeah. But I think in general, they just sit there going, oh, uh, grandmother. Right. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about this on, on past podcasts where mm-hmm. – we, you know, we, you hope that a casting director will be open enough. They may have their own preconceived notions. Okay, this is the part, this, this is the role, or this is the type of person that I'm looking for for this role. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Reg Clay walks in, and I do a monologue, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute. Okay, my mind has changed." Mm-hmm. Right. You hope that as an actor, whether it happens or not, is is up to that casting it's, director. It's, it's possible. Well, I, I was telling you earlier when I did um, Three Tall Women for the mm-hmm. um, Custom Made Theater a couple mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and which you received a nomination for. I did. Yeah. Yay. And uh, mm-hmm. um, when I was auditioning, there was the the main audition, and then there was a callback, and then there was another callback, and there was a woman there who was a good, eh, just by looking at her, I'd say she was at least 20 years older than I. Sure. And I thought, oh, gosh, she's going to get it. Because the characters were a 92-year-old, 52, and then a 24. Right. 
they cast me as the night. So I had the opposite experience. They oh. cast me as the ninety-two-year-old. Like, oh. <laughs> okay, do some acting. And, yeah, and I did. I did. That's but, awesome. Yeah. So I guess I did that mind-changing thing <laughs> somehow. Well, they saw something in you that they really, really wanted, so that's yeah, cool. Yeah, Let's get to an origin, origin story. How did you get into uh, theater? <laughs> um, well, I actually took uh, theater classes as my own form of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. I had Gloria Wines, Weinstock. Yeah. Uh, I just saw her picture a couple of days ago. Really? Yeah. Is she still acting then? Or is I she forget where I was looking, or? but I looked at something and there was a picture. Oh, that's what it was. Another friend who doesn't live in the area, but is friends with Gloria. Oh. There was a, in one of her photos, there oh. was a picture of Gloria. Okay. And I was like, oh, Gloria Weinstock. She was wow. so fabulous. She was a great teacher. Because mm-hmm. um, I always wanted to be a singer. My whole, whole life, I sang, oh. I'd sing in this. I didn't even know you sang. When you said this thing about master class, I was like, Well, sing? she never sings in that show. Right. She had right. one line where she sings, and it's supposed to be bad, and I mm-hmm. achieved that. Yeah. You know, right. as an opera singer. <laughs> I can still even sing that line, but I won't mm-hmm. do it. I'm not here. I can see you as a Carol Kane. A Carol Kane? Yeah. Car- I'm sorry, Carol King. King. Oh, Carol King. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I just always wanted to sing, but then... It's, I was too shy. Mm-hmm. And I was shy, 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 shy. Took the class as to try to get out of that whole mm-hmm. shell. <coughs> and, uh, you know, Laura was not an easy teacher. She, she, she didn't, she'd tear you down and then say, do it again. And I remember the first scene I did, I was put it all out there. And then she said, okay, now do it again. And I went backstage and I was almost crying, thinking, but I just did it. Right. <laughs> and then I reminded myself, nope, this is working on it. This is working on it. So then from there, I just took classes, and then I ended up um, auditioning and joining uh, the Petrero Hill Theater Ensemble. Yes. Remember that? Yes. Yes. Got in that. And then I just started getting, kind of getting my training on stage. Met. Is that where we met? Where you did Chuck Paul was in there, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. That's where I met Chuck, for sure. Okay. Did you do Three Policemen? I did. I was one of the masked. Okay. Then I, yeah, that's the first that's thing I did. That was before EastEnders. Yeah. yeah. Small world, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I knew. I mean, I know it had been that long. Yeah. I mean, Michael, that Michael is somebody who I remember from first meeting you and enjoying you and being interested and, you know, you yeah. always wondering, when are our paths going to cross again? And our paths just ended up crossing socially because... EastEnders, for the longest time, was just not going to use equity. Mm. And I did, I wasn't in equity immediately, but I became equity pretty close to the beginning of that company. And we would talk. And I, you know, oh, yeah, we're not ready for equity. But but I'd go to all his parties. Oh, <laughs> I Chuck? was always going to Chuck's parties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I knew all these people. So we would chat and we'd visit. And, and then you'd do a show somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. That's what kept happening. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's where that's where I, mm-hmm. I really got my start there. I I, so I learned Gloria a lot. Is um, ACT? Gloria is she teaching at ACT. No, was at City College. Oh, City College. Oh, City right. College scene right. study, mm-hmm. then advanced scene study, and and I took a couple of other classes over there. I mm-hmm. did some acting for camera, and I um, did um, vocal stuff. Not oh, that nice. you know, not that I. Any particular techniques at all? Um, I don't know, Meisner or I don't know, Stella Adler or anything like I that? Don't, I, you know what? I, I, there was nothing that was identified as a technique that mm-hmm. I 
studied mm-hmm. with Gloria. I don't know what it was. It just was what it was. Right. And I've heard this this whole thing of acting from the inside out right. and then from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And personally, mm-hmm. it's whatever works. Right. Sometimes yeah, you maybe sense. have to cry in a mm-hmm. scene. It's a very heavy scene. You need to cry. And if I can, if I could get a little spark going inside me that then turns into tears, mm-hmm. great. If I can't, yeah. then I use some physical technique on the outside, and sometimes that'll actually get real tears right. coming. But it's something I have to put on on the mm-hmm. outside, mm-hmm. and and if the real tears don't come, then at least it looks like I'm. Crying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I found that a lot of I, I I've come to the conclusion that there are some folks who really may not have that emotional. Um, I don't know, vulnerability or th- what's needed to, to be vulnerable on stage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do use the techniques to sort of, right. it's almost like softening, uh, what do they call it, tenderizing meat. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and some folks don't need that at all. Mm-hmm. And you strike me as someone, uh, you know, just a- acting with you through the years. I think the last thing that we did, you played my mom. Do you remember that? Golly, which that, that was uh, Night's Escape. Oh. One of Chuck's uh, pieces. Oh, I was your uh, mom in that? Yeah, you don't remember that, huh? <gasps> I was the therapist, wasn't I? Yeah, uh, I think uh, you, but I'm I'm pretty sure you were, you were my mom, because I thought it strange, like, hmm, I wonder, you know, who the dad was and all that sort of <laughs> stuff, and I was like, look, I'm not even going to think about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I think we're also in um, Playing With Fire, the Strindberg piece, 400 Years of uh, Sex, no, not Sex X, but, you know, yes, it was, Sex X. Was I in that one? I, I know I was in. I know I was in a sex act, but I don't. What was? Uh, They're both looking at the wall now. The Strindberg piece, but uh, but in any case, no. You've always uh, been. Every time I've seen you on stage, just you've never had a problem like le- le- just being emotionally avail- available. Oh. You know, whatever whatever was needed. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that you didn't really need any technique. You know, you just, you just sort of had it. Yeah. And I, I assume you've even had it even before you got into acting. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was an emotional child. Yeah. As my brother and sister <laughs> will attest. <laughs> Did you, were you uh, born and raised here? No, I was born in L.A. Okay. Um, and lived okay. there. Where in L.A.? Uh, we were in West Covina, oh. and then we were in San Gabriel. Mm-hmm. My dad was, reti- then he retired uh, from the LAPD homicide. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and then. Is that William J. Breton, that, that era? I think so. He was there from the late 40s and uh-huh. then into the 50s, so he was part of the Gangster Squad. Oh. Did you see that movie? No. Gangster Squad? I've heard about it. Yeah. yeah. And there's a book that was done, and then the movie. The movie's a little bit of an exaggeration, yeah. but. Um, and then he joined the State Department, so we moved out of the country. Oh, jeez. Because right. he was in Saigon, mm-hmm. and we went to Taiwan, mm-hmm. and then Brazil, and then Thailand. So wow. kind of raised. Now, how, well. how was that? How was being an American girl, you know, teenager, in a foreign country? How did, how, how well, was I was at an international school, so mm-hmm. plenty of, it was taught in English, mm-hmm. and uh, it was actually a really good school, too. I mean, it, people advanced. They were higher level of education mm-hmm. than some of most American schools, but um, I loved it. I mean, I'd already been, by the time I was a teenager, I'd already been out of the country for many years. I loved it. I thought it was a gra- great adventure. It, I think mm-hmm. it opened me up to different, I mean, it obviously opened me up to different cultures mm-hmm. and um, just, you know, appreciating. 
oh, that's how it's done here. Oh, that's what they do. That's what they do. Oh, mm-hmm. this is how it's, you know. I, uh, I, I thought it was a great education. And I think it, it I think uh, it would benefit anyone to go to a foreign country as a child to mm-hmm. s- and, and really and have it, you know, and, and live it and, and really understand how it works or yeah. at that country or that mm-hmm. culture. Because, yeah. you know, it just makes you when appreciate. Did you, when did you come back in, in the country? When I was 17. Okay. You know, 70. Well, wow. should, I, should I say? It's up to you. Yeah, two years older than you. 74. Uh-huh. So then my parents, after being around the world, mm-hmm. settled in, and I hate to say it, Santa Rosa. I'm sorry, Santa Rosa. Oh, you're geez. burning. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so I was there for a little while and yeah. then uh, then moved to S- San Francisco when I was 21 and mm. just have been down in here the yeah. whole time since then. So and when did you, because uh, it sounds like you did other things before getting into acting. Like. Not much. Okay. You know, I mean, I thought I wanted to be a writer, a poet. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to journal. Yeah. I was did singing. you get into singing? I know you wanted to sing. Not much. Okay. Not mm-hmm. much. I sang on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and then for a while I had a boyfriend who was a uh, blues drummer. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they would let me get up and sing a song or two. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It was like, okay, now get out of here. <laughs> it's all about us. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but it was nerve-wracking. And yeah. even, even yeah. if I've, when I've had to sing as a character, so I've not done musical theater. I don't have mm-hmm. that kind of voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but when uh, my characters had to sing a song, mm-hmm. still nerve-wracking. Even, mm. even if my character isn't supposed to be some fabulous singer, it uh-huh. still makes me nervous to sing. Yeah. So weird. Well, sometimes nerves can be good. You know, you can use that energy to advance your character. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first role? I'm curious. My very first role. Mm-hmm. Candy Star in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh! <laughs> With who? With... You mean who was the director? I know who was the show. Who did the show? It was the uh, the Patrol Hill Theater oh, Ensemble. Uh huh. And oh. I wanted to be Nurse Ratchet so badly. Mm-hmm. Now, was, now was that at the Thick House? Uh, no, it's at the Hill. Okay. It's it's, um, it's actually a neighbor. It's at the Patrol Neighborhood House. It's a community center. Yeah. And there's a gorgeous old theater up mm-hmm. in there. And uh, when we met, um, so. The Julian Theater had been there mm. um, and had been a multicultural theater that was really doing, you know, this is the 60s mm-hmm. when things were really happening. Well, by the time I get there, it's the mid-80s, mm-hmm. and that day has sort of eclipsed. Mm-hmm. And But there's a group of people that passionately want to do something, and so they're there. And it was a funny mix because it's in a black neighborhood or it's on the edge of a black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. When it become a black neighborhood... And that was mostly a black, as a community center, mm-hmm. that was mostly servicing a black community. So there was a sense, I mean, I don't know if you were aware of it at all, but I was very aware that there was this sense that we were intruders mm. because we were doing something other than servicing that community. Oh, I see. And yeah. there were people that wanted to pull it in that direction. I actually saw, saw a show there, and I still have the uh, program from it. It was a mimeographed program. That's how old mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> um, with Felina Brown in a uh, concert. I don't know if it was a full production or if it was just sort of a concert reading of hmm. a new musical. Hmm. Yeah, I will never forget that. And, huh. You know, and it was the energy there was just amazing. Yeah. So, like when Chuck said he wanted to start doing something and create his own thing, I was like, wow, I was really impressed because 
I didn't know how, how do you even do that? And then I watched him do it, and then I watched other people doing it as well. Eventually, I did it. Yeah. yeah. Were you one of the founding members of EastEnders, or at least one of the actors who were there from, like, from the very beginning? You know, I don't think I would call myself a founding member, but I, I was there kind of in the beginning. I, I mean, think I, I think I was a there. member for at least 12 years mm-hmm. or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, But yeah. I wasn't the one who started things up. It was Chuck and Susan and Susan mm-hmm. and I don't Susan know who Kendall, else. Susan Evans, yeah. yeah. Well, Susan Jeff. Evans came later, I thought. Oh, oh Jeff Thompson. Yeah, 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 Jeff, yeah Jeff was part of it initially. Yeah. Craig, I'm sure. Craig Dickerson. Craig. Oh, well, right. But Craig's another, Craig's like you in that sense. Craig wants to be an actor. Yeah. You know, and the rest of it is kind of like maybe he has some interest or some, you mm-hmm. know, some skill in that. But what he wants to do is be an actor. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine it was back, I mean, hearing you guys talk about, you know, the history of certain areas of Bay Area theater, there was a uh, history, uh, I guess, a culture of community. Like one community is looking at a theater company to sort of help their community. Mm-hmm. But then there's a theater company that sort of wants to do its own thing. But there's at least a uh, an energy of trying to build something. And I wonder how it compares. Like, how do you compare? What do you think about Bay Area Theater as of right now? Like, you and I were talking about sort of the new business model where a lot of companies want to do a lot of one acts and bring in some new, you know, uh, talent or whatever. Or there's a lack of, there's not a lot of traditional theater being done. Uh, you mean like old time well, ways? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Like, I don't see a lot of Tennessee Williams, I guess, these days. Yeah. Or well, I feel like there's a lot of young theater artists out there yeah. right now. So they're all kind of doing their own thing. And right. then this thing with the one acts in between, I think some established theaters are, are throwing that in to, you know, kind of make the rent. And But it serves two purposes. It, it, it pays the rent, but it, it allows these smaller companies to come in and, and and do so when you say one X, do you mean like traditionally one X, or do you mean like these little these short piano things? Because yeah. okay. I'm not even sure what to call those, but it's definitely it's right. prolific. Right. Yeah. Now it's, it's Every time I turn around, I have friends saying, "Oh, I have a play in, you know, one of my plays is going to be here. I'm right. directing a play in this. Right. Right. You know, four yeah. plays or whatever right. they are. Yeah. So there seems to be yeah. a huge. I mean, um, the positive thing is, like for a guy like me. Like, I'm a budding playwright, so, you know, I can get my thing submitted, and mm-hmm. I guess it does get submitted because they need the material. Right. I guess the downside is, I mean, it can be so watered down. I mean, it can almost be a theater version of, like, YouTube. I mean, you turn on mm. YouTube, everything is on there, mm. whether it's crap, <laughs> whether it's good stuff. I, well, I don't think that's bad. I, yeah. I think it's great that there's that much going on. Yeah. I would it, wonder, I wonder about if there's that a saturation, though. I, I think there is, but again, my, my big um, metaphor for Bay Area Theater is it's like a compost heap. You know, <laughs> it's all this stuff okay. that got jumbled together and then it becomes incredibly fertile and all this stuff grows up out of it and mm-hmm. then it strangles itself. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you've ever watched a compost heap, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Stuff starts to grow and then all of a sudden it just all dies. I remember mm-hmm. when I first lived in San Francisco, there was one in the backyard. As a compost, a and compost. you'd watch it. Yeah, you'd watch all these green shoots come up, and then all this amazing stuff start to happening. All this life, and then a few weeks later, it's black. Mm. It is. It is just. It's sucked up all the nutrition, mm. or it's choking. They're choking each other out, and they all just sort of collapse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that an analogy of what's happening mm-hmm. with Bay Area theater? I mean, are we? Well, I feel like over the long term, that's what we see. We see mm-hmm. these little projects that start, and they even have some energy. 
but most of them don't get very far. Mm-hmm. And then a few do. I remember when Custom Made was nothing. And mm-hmm. now Custom Made has actually got a nice base mm-hmm. and is, is inspiring other people to do things. That's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good thing. And I guess it's, I mean, it's, I don't want to call it Darwinism or whatever, but for those who get choked out, I mean, maybe if, if your stuff isn't good enough, you deserve to be choked out. Well, and what I love about someplace like, say, Piano Fight is they're encouraging this. And they're encouraging it in a way that is kind of wonderful because if you go and you see some short piece, mm-hmm. like we had Ruben on, um, if you see something like that and you think it was the best, yeah. but something else wins, mm-hmm. you're going to hold on to him. You're going to remember his name. You're mm-hmm. going to wonder what he's doing next. Yeah. And so they did serve him. They right. did help this him get some Ruben exposure. Halva. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They helped him understand. They helped him get that exposure. Mm-hmm. That's all he was asking for. Right. He got it. Now, you know, somebody's got to win the prize. That means a bunch of other people aren't going to win the prize. Mm-hmm. But they at least got the exposure. And if the audience walks out loving those people, mm-hmm. then they're going to be hungry. The next time they hear that name, they're yeah. going to be hungry for mm-hmm. it. So I think that is a positive. Yeah. What I've always wondered is why there wasn't some agency. Like, I like this about Piano Fight because I think they bring together all these energies. Mm-hmm. I always wondered, like, when Chuck wanted to do his thing, it was like, well, why don't you just talk to Theater Rhino or the New Conservatory? Because, you know, Chuck wanted to do all this stuff that was gay-themed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you've got two producing companies that do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he did it late in the game. Like, I remember we did partner with Theater Rhino for 100 years of queer theater, but mm-hmm. I think it may have been a little too little too late because right. at, a, at about the time, I think you can talk about more about this, Michael, but I got the sense that as people came into EastEnders and there was so much of building sets and mm-hmm. and doing things that were not necessarily, you know, like actors want to act. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we were doing so much publicity and, and other things and trying to build things up, and the money never really, really, really came in. Right. That uh, a lot of folks just left. Yeah. Um, there was always a bit of a turnover. Yeah. And I, you saw that in real time. Yeah, well, I wanted to act also. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, so, so did I. I mean, I didn't mind. Kind of let me out. They right. actually let me go. Yeah. I wasn't coming to the meetings and things because I was busy doing other things. Right. So, right. I mean, I did. I, 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 it was my own failure on that part. But, but you're right. It's, it's, I, we, I did a little tiny theater company with a couple of other women way back. It was called Broads Off Broadway, and it was just oh, the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> it was just three women, and because I had all the admin experience, because sure. I was an office manager and mm-hmm. secretary, etc., um, all the marketing and producing the packets, and we I think we did, I think we only did a couple of shows, okay. honestly. Mm-hmm. One was Savage in Limbo that we did in a oh. bar, uh-huh. um, which was great. Um, but I got burned out really fast. Yeah. Because yeah. I had to do all Too this much, work. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, there, I are, there, are, there are tons of those. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think that would actually be. that with, um, with um, Oakland Public, Oakland Public Theater. Theater. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, I had, I had a good 10 years of producing. And then at a certain point, I was like, you know, I'm doing too many jobs. And I love it that when I go to people, there's a light that goes on when they realize who I am and what I represent. You know, the company did reach some level of, of recognition and stature, but but it was me doing most of the work. And I'm like, yeah, and I wasn't getting to act. I, 
I think I finally got to act in one of our school tours, and I got to do one main stage. Hmm. And the rest of the time, I was just the guy behind the scenes. And I didn't mind that. It was great to find out you've got these skills. You're like, oh, I can do that. But what is it you're ultimately trying to accomplish? You know, because I don't. When you talk about, like, everybody's happy to roll up their sleeves and help get stuff done, mm-hmm. but if every time you show up, that's what you got to do, you start after a while going, <laughs> you know, today I don't feel like rolling up my sleeves. Yeah. Today I just want to come in and sit down and read a script. I don't, yeah. don't want to do anything else. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what happens. And I think it happens with a lot of uh, companies. I mean, there's some folks who join who do theater because they really do want to be a part of a company and they want to be a part of a community and they want to build something and mm-hmm. they want to write, they want to do all the things. But there are some folks, hey, I just want to act and just move on to the next thing. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, um, as an observer of Bay Area Theater for a while, what would you say were the things, the characteristics that you, that you recognize or that you like in the way theater works here? Um. What do I like? Well, and if there are companies that are examples of that, we are, yeah. we're always happy to get well, the word out. You know, I've been, I've, I've done, a, I've done fourteen shows at the New, New Conservatory Theater Center. Oh, wow. wow! Yeah, and yeah, hopefully another one coming up. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what we were, you were just talking about somebody having to pr- wear all the hats, mm-hmm. and what I really like about them is that. They, I mean, they are established. I, I can't. Right. They just celebrated an anniversary, like forty years or thirty-five years 35 or something. Years. Yeah, I remember seeing something. Like so that. you know, they've they've had some time to to get it, you know, honed. Mm. Um, but literally, you can go in as an actor and you're acting. Mm. Right. You don't have to build the set. You right. don't have to take the set down. Right. You don't. You might have to. You might bring in a costume piece now and then, just because. Hey, I got because that, and why not? Use it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they have a costumer. They have, you know, if you mm-hmm. need to wear a wig, they usually have somebody who's the wig expert. They have gorgeous they have lighting. Th- yeah, all that. Mm-hmm. They have the everything is done mm-hmm. by someone who has that job, and it's great. Yeah. Because then you really can focus on when you. I mean, the last show I was in, we did have to do a little bit of stage movement, mm-hmm. uh, move a couple set pieces, but we got it. You know, shared the wealth, and it went mm-hmm. so smoothly. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a great ensemble, but um, what show was it? Sorted Lives, which was actually oh. nominated for best ensemble yeah. and best overall production, mm-hmm. and I also got nominated as a featured actress. Awesome! Yeah. Along with two of my other <laughs> actresses and Scott Cox. Yeah. So, but, um, but that has—I mean—money has a lot to do with that, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you have the money to have other folks do those yeah, things, mm-hmm. sure. then. But they started. They had to start small somewhere. Yeah, so yeah, 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 right. somehow, whatever they've done, well, they built out that basement. Is what it is. They yeah. they learned how to use the space, and then they built it out, and then spread. You know, they mm-hmm. spread it nice. Those yeah. little studios they have are as nice to work in as the big stage. Yeah, there. yeah, no. So that's one okay. example of a really nice situation. Mm-hmm. And, and are there things that you would like to see more in theater companies here, you know, that if you wish more theater companies picked up certain aesthetics or certain Well, you know, I've, I've styles. It's really hard for me to answer that question because I have done 14 shows with them, which means mm-hmm. like for 14 years pretty much I've done like a show with them. And it sounds like the companies have That's served great. you well. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. you have a, you know, well-established resume mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm, 
Yeah. Um, that's just that. That's kind of a prime example of how wonderful it is as an actor mm-hmm. to to go in and be an actor and, and not, not have, have to, to d- yeah. wear any other hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did a show with a company, and I won't mention any names, but. Um, it's a very established company as well, good reputation, um, and I was surprised that at we were required to uh, break down the set at the end. We had to. Hmm. You mean it was in Berkeley? No, it wasn't in Berkeley. <laughs> I was yeah. surprised. Yeah. You know, it was a professional show. It was great. It was actually a really comfortable experience all along, pretty much. You know, you got to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Um but that was part of the deal is that you had to... Um, now, did you know that coming in, or did they sort of spring that on the actors? Um, I feel like they must have included it in the contract mm-hmm. when you when you signed up for it, once mm-hmm. you got cast. Yeah. Right. I, but when you're auditioning, I don't think I, don't think I was aware of it when I, I auditioned. I'm sure they... I'm sure there are companies that don't mention it. I know there are companies that oh, yeah. don't mention it yeah. at that yeah. point in the... Yeah. It's, it's just... I know it's just tough when you're an actor and you've done all this work on stage, and right. then at the end of the last show <laughs> you have to strike a set. Right? No, it's horrible. Yeah. yeah, and I still think that there are a lot of companies that expect folks that just come out of school. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're eager for acting, right? Hey, well, right. let's let's do it, and you know they have this mentality of we'll do it just like in school, where you have to break down the set and do everything, and mm-hmm. they want you to have that same mentality. Yeah. Well, well and I think that's fine when you're a small company or mm-hmm. you're just getting started with something, and you're trying to put the pieces together. Yeah. But after a few seasons, a very few seasons, mm-hmm. you if you haven't started figuring out that stuff, then you're kind of abusing your talent. Yep, that's exactly right. That is yeah. exactly right. And, you know, I mean, so these these smaller, I don't even want to call them, I don't know what the word would be, but the short ones where they go in and mm-hmm. I'm oh, sure those are all that, you know. They are. They're, they're also minimal mm-hmm. sets, minimal yeah. costume, minimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I went to New York with, um, I can't remember his name. It was a play that we did for the Samuel French One Act Festival, and we did it only once. We didn't make the final, so that meant we got to go see two Broadway shows. (laughs) (laughs) And the the playwright paid our way, and literally, it was a 10-minute window where you had to come in, set your set up, do your play, and get out there in 10 minutes. Wow. So, um, yeah, we had a table, and... A microphone or some oh. kind of thing where that was it, right. and I had a bowl because I was supposed to be making something. Uh-huh. You know, so, um, so wow. those aren't so bad. If yeah, that's, that's all you yeah. to pull out. I have a question for you. Um, I've dealt with, uh, especially uh, I'm 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 in the middle of in two weeks. My musical um, Nia will be up uh, as part of Musical Cafe, and a lot of the actors that I've that that are part of my cast. A lot of them are doing multiple shows because they sort of have to. They're really like working actors. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, I got rent to pay, so I got to do this and do that. And sometimes, I'll, you know, there'll be a rehearsal that I'll schedule, and they're like, hey, I'm sorry, but, you know, at the last minute I got a job and it's paying, so I got to do it. Right. And I totally understand. Have you, um, well, maybe you're not in that situation, but have you had to, like, just hustle, hustle, hustle and just get, you know, whatever mm-hmm. job? No, I yeah. always had a day job. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I had kids very young, right? So I've always had to take care of my kids. So I always mm-hmm. had a day job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, all the the 
Yeah. One and night lux- gigs, and yeah. that didn't apply to me. It's so. a luxury to have. I mean, it's one of those things. I have a day job as well, so mm-hmm. and I, I constantly remind myself, I can take for granted that, you know, if I don't get a job, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to yeah. sweat it. Right. So. I, I don't know how people do it, honestly. I think that's, you know, one thing I like about theater is that it's very, you know, it's right now, and you don't know what's going to happen, even though you've rehearsed, and you kind of know what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. you never know when that carrot's going to fall off the table, and you have to f- somehow figure out how the, your character is going to go pick it up right. within the realm of the play, right right? right? right, right, Which I did once, and uh, and it was a carrot. Um, but um, but I, with all that happening and rehearsals and all the different people that you work with, so mm-hmm. there's all this different kind of energy that you have to deal with, and then maybe, oh, that night you're not rehearsing that scene because so-and-so had to go over here, so now you're doing that. Right. And so you you have to be... Uh, you have to be adaptive, or whatever the word is. Uh, you have to be able to flexible, go with yeah. that. Flexible, yeah. yeah. Flexible. So I think with that happening on the one stage, mm-hmm. the rest of my stage kind of has to be steady. That's mm-hmm. just how I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't think I could be a waitress with all that, because that's also, that's like being on stage. It is. A, and yeah. then you go it's on a stage. performance, yeah. Yeah, and the different people, and you never know what's going to come mm-hmm. at you, and all that. I mean, you know, my day job, too. There's stuff that comes up that I don't know, but eh, it's yeah. a lot steadier. And so I, I like having that kind yeah. of a bedrock. Here's a question for you, Norman. Have you ever had to, let's say you're doing a show, but you're audition- you are rehearsing for another show, and let's say your energies are divided? Um, <laughs> you're smiling because I'm sure that's that's oh, no. life. No, no, no. I, it's weird. When I moved, I had to go through. I moved a couple of years ago, and I had to go through all my stuff. And I found, among other things, what I got to in the habit of doing is I'd get a rehearsal calendar for one show, mm-hmm. and I would just color code the different things. And I had calendars where within a month I might be working on four different projects. Wow. Wow. And yeah, I would look at it and go. How the hell did I do that? <laughs> but let's say one show had a weekend, or the, I think I did a show once where we had to take 10 days off for some reason. Like we started a p- rehearsal process and mm-hmm. we had to take some days off. And somebody else asked me if I was available for something, and I said, well, I've got this block of time, and then outside of that I've got these other few days, and they squeezed in. And mm-hmm. I found people do that more and more. Um it's great when it works. As a union actor, one of the things that comes up is it's an actual rule. You can quit a show for more remunerative employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do it with very – even on Broadway, you can do it with very little notice. And the reality of that is what it means is, one, if you really get the opportunity to do something that you think is going to forward your career, you can go do it. But even if it isn't quite all that, you can go to your producer and say – I just got an offer, and I'm going to go take it unless you right. pay me more money. Right. And so it opens the door to a, a level of um, negotiation. Sure. Mm. And even more important than the negotiation, a valuing of mm-hmm. yourself. And mm. I think that's, mm. you know, it's my next question for you is mm. um, if you were going to, you found out somebody just moved to the area and they got a little bit of experience as an actor, but they're looking for how to step into this market. One of the things I would love to have told somebody was that 
negotiating that idea because the other thing is let's say you're my producer mm-hmm. and I know that you put this is your baby and you've done all this work your blood sweat and tears is in this show mm-hmm. and two weeks before we go up somebody offers me a commercial and I'm going to make more just on the fee sure. of the day shoot mm-hmm. than I'm going to make doing your whole project to be me <laughs> but I have a relationship with you yeah and so am I just going to say, yeah, it sucks to be you and walk away? Mm-hmm. Am I going to – because one of the things I did learn to do is I started hustling mm-hmm. to look for – like even right now, I'm – and I still can't officially announce what, but I'm in the spring. Mm-hmm. I've got a project, and cool. it's looking pretty certain. I have for almost 20 years taught every spring at this wonderful private school, and I'm not going to be able to do it this spring. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I just got an email from them. Normally, they don't even get in touch with us for another two months. Uh-huh. And I just got an email saying, hey, so we're just checking with you guys about what's coming up for the next year, or mm-hmm. next spring. And I was like, oh, crap. I finally, and the funny thing is I was already making a list. In fact, I was actually online with people asking for um, recommendations uh, because I wanted oh, to, to find replace you. to replace yeah. me. And so I wouldn't do that, Reg. I wouldn't drop out of your show mm-hmm. you know, two weeks before you go up. Without being able to say, well, I know this wonderful person can step in, or your director, in the case of the show you're working on, mm-hmm. AJ is wonderfully talented. Why don't you have AJ step into the role? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, now th- and that would be uh, a kind, uh, kind and gentle thing to do. But even if you didn't do that, I have to understand as a producer, listen, if I only have that much money, and maybe that's on me if I'm producing a show and I'm not being competitive mm-hmm. financially, <clears throat> because... If I can bring someone on and say, listen, you're cast, this is how much I can pay you, and this is where, where I need you. Right. Let me know right now if that's not going to be enough. Hmm. But that was one of the reasons I never worked for um, EastEnders. Right. Hmm. Because when Susan Evans first started, yeah. she was doing um, um, statements. Right. And she was – they opened the door. They were going to consider equity actors. Mm-hmm. and But she wanted a commitment – just as the summer Shakespeare folks were still finishing up casting. Mm. And if I get a summer Shakespeare show for many companies in the Bay Area, that's going to pay me more than the EastEnders ever would, you know, with a nice fat run and way more exposure. And mm-hmm. it's Shakespeare. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm yeah, I can't I can't make that commitment. Right. And she, to her credit, had enough integrity about what she was doing to say. I need a decision now, and if you can't make that decision, then I need to keep looking. And that's all I'm saying is it's valid for mm-hmm. you to make those choices in your right. career. Yeah. But you also have to kind of figure that I'm going to bump into you again. Right. And if I really left you in the lurch with no effort, if I said to you, I'm going to do this, or I got this offer, right. and I feel like I need to do it, and what can I do to try and help you, mm-hmm. and ultimately I wasn't able to, I would hope that that would at least mm-hmm. ease the pain a little bit. Right, because otherwise, if we bump into each other again and I announce that I have another show, I'm working on something else, you're right. like, hey, think about me. I'm like, right. Okay. <laughs> or worse, again? somebody else says, wow, I'm looking for somebody, and I've heard Norman G. You know Norman G., and would you recommend him? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the uppermost in my mind would be, oh, yeah, the guy that left my show in the lurch. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, that cost me maybe thousands of dollars because that's the reality of that situation mm-hmm. is suddenly you have to turn around and you have to hire somebody. Yeah. And suddenly you're paying a rate 
that mm-hmm. maybe you can't afford, yeah. but it's do that or yeah or sink. So I think it's the, on both sides. The producer that understands, hey, I only have limited funds. Mm-hmm. If you're cast, at least let me know as soon as possible if you can't do it. Right. Or if you say you can do it, that's a commitment. You know, just try the best as you can to honor the commitment. But there's another onus on the actor. Right. Like, and I've been on the other side mm-hmm. where – I've had, you know, some uh, other roles or whatever. The very least I can say, it's as early as possible. Listen, if something else has come up, I, I really can't right. do this. Mm-hmm. There was a uh, production actually happened late last year, I think a year ago. It was also for the musical cafe. It was a musical called Lefty and Layla takes and, uh, it makes it right. And um, on the first day of rehearsal, I said, listen, I, I really can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I did the decision right then and there. And I was very apologetic. I was like, listen, right. you know. Things have come up, and I, I really can't. If I if if a producer knows as early as possible, they can they can do the running around or whatever. Right. Yeah. If it happens late in the game, you know that's it. It's it sucks. You yeah. have to. So so that's my question to you: Is if you met this person who just moved to the Bay Area, and they're interested in getting involved in the theater scene here, they have a little bit of experience. What would you tell them about either Bay Area or what it is you do to keep sane? How do you keep your integrity? How do you keep that place where you can go, okay, it's okay if I do this one, and okay, it's okay when I don't do this one? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if I've ever kept saying, actually. <laughs> well, well, you uh, take it well. I, uh, I've, I've gotten more sane as I've gotten older, but I'll tell you, it, ne- mm-hmm. it always hurts when you don't get cast, even if you... Mm-hmm. Ah, we've talked even, about that. Yeah, even, yeah. If, even if the person who got cast really fits that role better and, mm-hmm. and you could see it and you could see oh yeah they're, they're great just like what I was telling you about not getting cast for something I had already done and then the woman oh, right, yeah. the woman they did pick was who I would have picked if they hadn't picked me mm-hmm. um, if we if we go with the sub, you know this oh, I have this show but then they offered me this over here mm-hmm. that's that's a painful thing no matter what I think it's painful on both ends I always feel guilty to to not want to do somebody's show to want to do somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only been in that position once where mm-hmm. I had been cast, but it was months before rehearsal started, mm-hmm. and then I got cast in something else, and which would have been which was a better opportunity in terms of the career thing and mm-hmm. you know equity points, and um, so I was able to tell the the other production mm-hmm. that I had this opportunity so it was fine because they had not even started rehearsals mm-hmm. um, but to stay sane I don't know I think you just have to because I see people they just keep plugging away and they right. just go now I have no idea what goes on in their head or at their house mm-hmm. maybe they're crying in their pillow every night Right, <laughs> right. but on the outside it looks like they just going, you know, so I admire certain people who seem very focused, mm-hmm. and they just, and, and those ones always seem to get what they want. Mm-hmm. I don't always get what I want. Right. It's, a, it's a funny thing. I'm like, how come he got what she, he wants, and I don't get what I want? Yeah. We did, we did a part, we did a, uh, one of our yay episodes was be- was dealing with depression, dealing yeah. with less right. rejection and all of that stuff, yeah. so this ties in with that. I think as I've gotten older, um, I, I certainly 
don't like to be rejected because right. I always feel like, well, I'm the best one. I'm, of course I'm the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> last year, I actually auditioned for five things and got nothing. Oh. It was crazy. So it was like, what? And then I wasn't going to audition. Somebody said that. And I went, okay, I guess I'll go audition. And then they didn't cast me. And they were like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> it was, so I figured a lot of your jobs would be just someone calling you or messaging you and saying, hey, there's a role. Yeah, well, sometimes that happens. But, um, you know, often I just go to the callbacks. So at least mm-hmm. I don't have to get up and do a monologue and things like mm-hmm. that. But, um but at the end of that five five rejection thing, I thought, I'm not going to do theater anymore. I'm uh-huh. just, I'm always giving up. Yeah, I'm not going to do it anymore. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a little immature that way. So, um, plus I have the day job, and you know, I mean, as I've gotten older, it's it's gotten harder mm-hmm. to do a show and the day job. I'm just I just have less energy than I used yeah. to. Mm-hmm. You know? I was, I was going to ask you. Since you've been, I would say you've been acting for, what, 20 years, maybe 30 years or so? Yeah, almost 30, yeah. I guess. Have you found that your, um, I don't know, your acting has changed, has, has, has age or has, has, has experience changed you as an actor? Let's say you did a role 30 years ago. Would you do it differently now? Probably. <laughs> yeah. I would have more gravitas, I would hope. Yeah. Have you, have you done the same role, let's say, twice? Have you done the same play production twice? Like that? No. Okay. Mm. No, not That's done. Yeah. yeah. No, I did um, I did Wonder of the World uh-huh. with the EastEnders, and then I did it with the DMT. But yes. I played the investigator. So I played a different role. Wow. And it well, was I remember you doing it at the DMT. I loved that. Yeah. With, with Marnie. Mar- Marnie Claggett, I think her name was. Yeah. yeah. No, with the EastEnders. Yeah, yeah. but I'm saying your the, the person who played the lead role was Marnie. Remember Marnie? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, loved, I loved doing that. So then when I had to play the investigator, all I could hear in my head was the previous person who yeah. played the investigator, <laughs> who was Susan Kentel. Oh, it was so fabulous. Yeah. And I yeah. just... Like I kept we, failing, you know. We called a guy named Fred. I, I, I don't know oh who Fred, Fred is. Yeah. yeah, he was an old sailor or something, wasn't he, or something? <laughs> You're he was right. Definitely like a grilled guy. Yeah. Um, and the woman who played my old role, same d- the other side of it was like, I would have said it like this, and I would say, sure, yeah, sure. but she was fabulous. She yeah. was, it turned out really great. Yeah. Um, but no, I've not done the same role. But I've thought how. You know, yeah, I've certainly, I think I have a lot more poise, Mm -hmm. certainly not as nervous. I used to get nervous, and um, sometimes I get a little bit of butterflies before I go out for the first time on Mm -hmm. an evening, but even, and that'll just be at the beginning of the week. Mm -hmm. If I have a bunch of shows that week, um, maybe the first night will be a little bit nervous, Mm -hmm. but then, and so I'm so much calmer on stage, so then I Mm -hmm. don't have to fiddle with my hand. I don't have to think about my body parts as much because mm-hmm. they just, they are just part of, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I've just gotten practiced at, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. being a character cool. and thinking more about what I'm saying and, you know, when you first start out, you're just, you got your your palms glued to your thighs, remember that? Mm-hmm. Or you, every line yeah. is like this. Yes. Uh, yes, I remember those <laughs> when you're young. You know, you just have all this energy and you... <laughs> you don't know what to do with your hands. Right. So, you know, that's something I learned on stage was... And, and certainly I use my hands when I talk and mm-hmm. characters do mm-hmm. too. But right. I remember working with one actress, um, oh, 
blanking on her name right now. Um, she was in Broads Off Broadway, and she had had all this training before. Mm-hmm. And she always kept her hands very still and her arms very still. And I observed that, and so I tried to emulate that mm-hmm. because it was so much more powerful than to have the hands flapping around or mm-hmm. glued to your thighs. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so... Um, um, you know, I don't have my hands glued to my thighs as much. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's part of the character. <laughs> How about you, Norman? Have you ever played a character twice? Or I a play twice? I got lucky and I got to do um, Lobby Hero. Oh. And the funny thing is, the first time... So, um, the Aurora Theater did the show. Mm-hmm. D- did a successful production of it. A producer liked it and the Napa Valley Opera House had just been... Um, you know, whatever, reconditioned, refurbished. Um, and they had been having all kinds of music things and one or two night things coming through. He thought they should add theater into their mix. And he thought this was the show to do it with. Well, the actor who played one role was overseas and couldn't do it. Mm. And so they had auditions. I got the role. The guy's bigger than me, heavier than me. Were you the, the security guy? Yeah, the security guy. Because I saw it at the Aurora. Yeah, and so... I had to step in with very little rehearsal mm. and take that role. And we just did it for, I think we did two weekends or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Wow. Um, nerve-wracking. I wanted to get my door in at the Aurora. But it's the other thing that if I, again, if I were going to talk to a young actor coming into the Bay Area, one of the things is sometimes you're going to feel a little beat up by a situation or it's going to feel a little rough. It's going to be like going through the rapids. And what you have to remember is when you go through the rapids, yeah, there's a possibility of drowning or breaking an arm or something. But most of the time, you just get the shit scared out of you. And you get through it, and it's exhilarating, and you survived, and you learned some things about surviving. Hmm. And to remember those things, and not just the, uh, and I use the rapids, I've only done rapids once, and I got pulled out of the boat, hmm. went through a wow. couple of the, you know, the whitewater Things I had a friend and then got too. and then got pulled back yeah. in after, and I'm shivering, I'm freezing. Plus, I just thought I was going to die. And when you get to the point where you cannot stop yourself from drowning, you just have to give in to the moment. It's you just feel small, you feel mm-hmm. totally humiliated. Yeah. Well, I think there are plenty of experiences like that where, like, when you forget a line or the stage goes silent and you <laughs> feel like it lasts forever, and afterwards people tell you, "Oh no, I didn't even realize there was that." That was like three seconds. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, for us, it's a lifetime because it's like, right. oh, my God. So yeah. to recognize that you're going to go through those experiences and it's okay. So I went through the Lobby Hero experience just kind of going, wow, I I feel like I barely survived. Well, a few years later, somebody else was doing it. And I was like, well, what the hell? I like I liked the role. I like the play. I auditioned. They were, of course, going, oh, my God, you've already done this and you did it with the Aurora? So they hired me. Uh-huh. It was a totally different experience. It was so fun, and I could bring so much that I learned, but I also got to expand on it. That oh, was yeah. great. And, of course, with Shakespeare, mm-hmm. you get the opportunities over and over again. So Love's Labor's Lost, I've been in I don't even know how many productions of. But I finally got to play one of the biggest roles in – I got to play Barone, one of the biggest roles in Love's Labor's Lost. Mm-hmm. It's like the fifth largest line load in all of Shakespeare. Wow. It's a massive role. But – I had understudied it, a summer where I never got to do it, 
and felt like, well, I'm just learning this role. So there's a way where you do get to love, we love theater. There's a way you get to appreciate those roles and those stories. And someday maybe they do come back to you. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's yeah. weird. I haven't had that experience, but I would always say, wow, if I could do that role again, I would attack it this way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like being on a playing field or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. not that you, you, what you did was horrible or whatever. But you know, sometimes I think about a role even after mm-hmm. I've done it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I should have said this line like that. I should have said that like that. Well, you you, done you make a discovery afterwards. Oh, yeah. Like, Damn it. Because it lives within you. <laughs> well, right. we, we usually, every week, we, um, we've gotten in the habit of, putting shouts out and one of the things is celebrating people's birthdays i want to add in and i was trying to get it together today and i Mm -hmm. didn't what would be that role if there's a role or a show that you would really want to do and for me uh philander statements Mm -hmm. is one that to this day i'm like god i i would so love to do that role yeah they they wouldn't even you know uh, hopefully they would do you know that role again because because it's just you know fantastic how about for you oh gosh um well, now that I'm older, because mm-hmm. there are all sorts of roles that I wish I could have played all along, mm-hmm. but um, I think I would like to play Martha. In yeah. yeah. In, in what? Uh, who's afraid of? <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, I was thinking of I was thinking of Carol Roof because I would have played that role. Right. But yeah, no. Uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I don't, yeah. think, I don't think I've ever seen you in that extreme a role. I mean, really? just, just like flipping being out. So crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Saying I have to look at my resume and point out a few things. Uh, I've certainly been yeah. a little wild. I would love to be Sweeney. Oh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney. Yeah, you've got me learning that damn song. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 You're doing it. I, I'm, I'm still on the fence about the it, music? but I've got it. You did give me the sheet music. Good. I've been listening to it. Yeah. I've been. Wait, that's, your, that's your range, right? Uh, it's not even about the range. It's about the character. I'm just finding myself going, wow, I really want to. I want to understand this character a little bit better before I take that on. <laughs> it's a great role. It's an intense ass song. Yeah, he's singing to a bunch of blades. Yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> old friends. Ooh, we. Yes, uh, you, 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 you've heard the song. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things. It's just. But I, I, I'm hoping that's something that we can start to add into the podcast mm-hmm. is. To get people's, you know, their wish list. Yeah. yeah. Because I do think that producing agencies and casting people should start considering that and going, oh, wow, Martha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Right. Now. Speaking of shout outs, we're at that one hour mark. Mm-hmm. Any shout outs? Well, birthday. Got a Birthdays. birthday list. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, my big shout out is I started and I didn't talk about that when you said, what's new? Mm-hmm. Uh, I started rehearsals for Hamlet, so uh-huh. I'll be. Yeah, so how's that going? How's the house? How's, how's uh, I'm scared, which is good. <laughs> you know, and I, I it sounds like you do, you've, been, you've been doing a lot of preparation. I'm not playing the ghost. I am playing, um, well, Polonius, obviously, and the Gravedigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'll be playing, um, oh, the Player King, which I wasn't expecting. Hmm. Okay. So that was kind of like oh, oh the uh, the dumb play, yeah. Well, th- there's lines, there's stuff that happens. Oh, there's okay. lines. Yeah, so. <laughs> lines. <laughs> Where are, are there? They are. Um, so Casey Bastian's birthday, James Lantayau, um, who I knew as a young Filipino actor, but 
He's um, in L.A. doing stuff now. Carolyn Doyle. Happy birthday, Carolyn. Uh, Matthew Balin, Balin um, actor I worked with with the um, Livermore Shakes. Uh, Matt, oh, I can't even say Matt's name. Zimanowski. Zimanowski? Yeah, he's, um, he's now been, he's moved into filmmaking, and he mm. made a wonderful film called The Purple Onion. Oh, wow. Um, because, mm. you know, there was that uh, comedy club here, and it's now a music venue, mm-hmm. but I guess they were still doing an open mic night, and he did a thing about a character, a wannabe comedian yeah. who was not being very successful, mm-hmm. um, but his life and his world, it was a wonderful San cool. Francisco-based yeah. story. Um, Tranj. Another one whose name Yagyarzarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she runs a. <laughs> she runs Golden Thread Theater. I don't have to say her last name. I know, um, but she's fantastic. The company's fantastic. Her birthday's coming up, and Alan Quismoria. Who I'm really talking you. about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. You can have that. And uh, Alan was the former. Um, he, well, he's one of the founding members of Bendel Stiff. Oh. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's founding, but he at one point was uh, he was an artistic, artistic director. director. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was also one of the, I think, if not founding members, one of the company members for Crowded Fire. Oh. Is that right? I didn't yes. know that. Yes. Wow. And he and I did a show. We did a school tour of a very weird little show called The Nightmare. Yeah. Didn't he direct you? Did he ever direct you? I don't know if he directed me. Okay. Um, he directed me for stories. Might have been in something small. There was, there was a space on Mission just above South Venice for a little while, and he was doing stuff there. Okay. And I did a project there, but I don't remember if he directed that one or not. Okay. Anyway, happy birthday to you all, Libras rule. Yes. Libras. Yeah. Oh yeah, my sons are Libras. One, one is they, October second. Motega, Motega, and my son Christian is October twenty-one. Awesome. Awesome. I can go down my little list, go but actually, also. Well, this was on t- yesterday. Miriam, Miriam Lewis, the costumer. Nice. Oh. Fabulous. Costumer for, for what? For she goes around. So okay. she was at, I met her through the New Conservatory Theater, mm-hmm. but she also does stuff. She lives in Berkeley. Nice. Okay. So she does stuff in the East Bay. Yeah. And, of course, I have Carolyn Doyle on there. And Tony Fraser, I'm not sure who that is. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that... Right. Um, I have to look them up and go, oh, yeah, I'm connected to them that way. Right, you know? the theater, yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah, there's always six degrees of separation. Yeah, oh, actually, that guy I know from school. So um, that's it. Because that's my birthday list. So um, my birthday list, um, wonderful actor Jay Krongold um, had a birthday on the 5th. Uh, and it would I would have had this, you know, last week, but we weren't on last week. Uh, a great actor, Davern Wright. Um, and he's been, I met him through, uh, Bindlestiff. We did a stories high and he's also been on the DM at the DMT theater. Mm. Um, good friend of mine, uh, actually a couple of Ellingtonites, uh, who, uh, studied theater, Ara Zeitz, um, on the, t- he's born on the 10th and, uh, Carolyn Doyle. Okay. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. And Erica Lynn Gagne, uh, also a, uh, she studied theater and she's doing a little bit of writing and poetry, uh, in LA. And her birthday was on the 12th. So mm-hmm. that is my list. And um, how about shout-outs? I mean, what was uh, the show? Uh, yeah, Strange show. Ladies uh, open this weekend at uh, Central Works. Okay. And um, and Jan Zweifler directed. She doesn't, you mm-hmm. know, I think she does maybe one a year, and I'm always excited. I like the mm-hmm. way she makes that stage work. So Yeah. Uh, Strange Ladies is um, a story about women. Mm-hmm. 
I think, are I think he's still protesting for the vote. Monica Rao is in that. Uh-huh. She was a former. Um, she was on the uh, the yay. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And, and that'll be. Uh, at, it opened on the twelfth, and it'll close on the twelfth of November. Uh, November. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any shout outs at the moment. <laughs> so I mean, you have projects that are coming up that you want to talk about? Well, I, I I'm not sure if they finished casting. Finish? I am casting well, a show, but I'm not sure if they finished okay. casting. We're so we don't want to get you in trouble. Right. Yeah, yeah. they've asked me not to say anything in public. That's where I'm at. Yeah, until they finish and they announce it, and then I can talk all about it all I want. So I have a a couple of shout-outs. The Further Adventures of Hedda Gobbler by Dragon Productions. Okay. Uh, Dale Albright. Oh, it's Dale. I'm sorry, Dale. I forgot to. Oh, down at Redwood City. Yeah. Dragon Theater. I've not seen anything, but I keep hearing great stuff. Yeah, they do a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I I think I did one thing with them. Um, Mm. But it was when they were in this little teeny space mm. and whatnot. So no, now yeah. they're on the strip. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that'll be opening up on the 26th of October mm-hmm. uh, and closing November the 19th. Uh, Welga by Ben Stiff, uh, oh, written, yeah. written by Conrad Panganaban and directed by um, Arine Almario. That's at Bindlestiff. Um, that's on the 6th. Well, it opened up on the 6th and it closes on the 21st. And they're doing some wonderful things at Bindlestiff. We've talked about using the internet. So not only are they have they are they producing it, mm-hmm. but they've done little video clips, and they're showing these video clips on YouTube mm-hmm. to sort of market what they're doing. And uh, we've talked a little bit about that. And I guess it's because it's an original piece by Conrad, he can get away with that. Mm. So, but it's, I think it's a wonderful way of, of promoting your stuff. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Also, well, we talked about Strange Ladies. Uh, the Exit Theater has Madame Ho. Um, oh, right, Eugenie Chen. Exactly. I didn't know that. That's at the exit. That's at the exit. Ooh. Uh, that already <laughs> opened, and it closes on the 19th, so you oh, still have time weekend. to get that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And last but certainly not least, uh, uh, the Musical Cafe um, is... Um, oh, you can't be last. I want to... Oh, well, I'll let you be last. I'll be second to last. Musical Cafe. Yeah, Musical Cafe. They have uh, four mini musicals. Um, Love the Struggle, uh, written by Stacy Cray. The Loving Tree, written by Peter Master. Pickpocket, written by Sandy Catston and Peter Wolf. And Nia, written by Yours Truly, Reg. Directed uh, by who? Starring who? That's directed by uh, AJ Mitchell. Starring a bunch of folks. Um, well, uh, Nia is uh, uh, Marla Cox, who is just wonderful and just a fantastic uh, talent. I mean, every all my cast members are, are really, really talented. And that will be uh, opening up on the 26th of October. Only three nights, mm. the 26th, the 27th, and the 28th. I'll be in okay. Iceland. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> Is that the first time? Yeah. Wow. Have you been? Never. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Leave it on the 24th. Yeah. And Hamlet, we just started rehearsals. We open the November 2nd, and we'll run through the 19th. Okay. Um, Start I'm Polonius. And the Grave Digger. <laughs> and um, it's, if you want more information, it's ArabianShakes.org. ArabianShakes.org. We'll be in San Francisco at the Royce Gallery, which is right around the corner from Theodore Arto, Z-Space, whatever they're going by now. Okay. Um, yeah, but literally it's around the corner. It's catty corner to that. So we can see a little preview. Um, the, is, that, is that the preview? Oh, I'll let you go ahead. No, it sounds like uh, it's so. I know where it's being held. I, I didn't know if there was another venue, but no, 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 no there's not another venue. Okay, no, there's it. just that. There's just that. In fact, I'm, I'm actually hoping that we'll add a. Uh, oh, I didn't know there's a talk back. 
<laughs> Looking at the card. Is it on your contract? Um, I've got family coming into town, and they may not be able to see the show unless they can come to the pickup rehearsal. So uh, we're going to find out how that works out. Oh, people can actually see the pickup rehearsal? i got to ask. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm putting that out there publicly, and right. I'm kind of thinking the answers probably know. If I was an actor in a show, uh-huh. and you said you wanted your family to come see our pickup rehearsal, I'm like, that's cool, but... Actually, I was planning on coming, laying on my back, and running my lines. <laughs> they are welcome to watch, yeah. but I'll see. I've never minded that as an actor. I mean, just having you know someone pop in or whatever. I mean, oh, it used to scare the crap out of me, but Tony Kelly, Thick Description, used to be great about that. He would go out to the audience for previews, yeah, and he would say, "Tonight, you are going to see. You are going to be the first people to get to see our production of this show." And if you're really lucky, you'll see some things that no other audience will ever see. <laughs> good idea. That's a good way of putting yeah. it. Well, because that's live theater. Right. So, you know, come yeah. back and see it the way we meant for it to be. <laughs> right. No, sometimes those are very, very enjoyable. Yeah. They can be. Yeah. Hopefully you had a good time, Michael. I did. It was great having you. It was good to see you again. Yeah, no, it's like a family reunion, right? (laughs) We'll we'll pop the champagne afterwards. Right, exactly. (laughs) So here is my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. That's that purple app that you click on that you probably never use. Uh, Of course, if you're already listening to it, you can tell other folks. You can also find the A on iTunes if you're using a laptop or a desktop. Just click on iTunes, click on the store, use the search engine on the upper left-hand side, and search for the Yay, and you'll find us. For Android users, you can download the SoundCloud app, or you can just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. Uh, the Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, and we will take it from there. And we've we got to get a better sign off. <laughs> and we are out. Here.